your Bibles, turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 7. We will read verses 7 through 12. We'll be looking at pretty much all of this chapter here this morning. This is written to the church at Thessalonica. Paul, in his missionary journeys, established a church in Thessalonica. And this is the second epistle that is written to them. And this is where we are taking our attention here today. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 7. If you have it, say amen. Praise God. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but have pleasure in unrighteousness. For a few moments this morning, I want to speak on the perception of deception. The perception of deception. Also known as gaslighting. Praise God. Savior, we thank you and praise you. We ask that you would direct us today in the house of God. That your anointing and your hand and your ability would be with us and that your word would be a strength to us. We ask these things in your great name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. you. can be seated. I enjoy words, and I enjoy reading the dictionary. I like to look at words and the definition of words, uh, idioms, how they come about, and there is a fluidity of usage over time with words, and some institutions follow those words and follow those trends. So some words may be more popular at times than than others. Merriam-Webster is a noted institution that follows the usage of words, and they're able to do that more now because everything is online, and so people look up words, and they're able to track what words are being looked up. So they can track the percentages, how much they're being used, what words are being used more than other words. And so here are the top lookups of the year 2022. And it's leading up to the word of the year. Some of these obviously are connected to uh, news reports, uh, current events. So one of the words that people looked up was oligarch. With the Russian invasion of Ukraine, countries including the United States and the United Kingdom placed sanctions on Russian oligarchs and their families. And so the word oligarch, spiked 621% in early March of 2022. Oligarchy means the rule by a few, and the English word can carry the same meaning, but it is very specific in Russia and other countries that succeeded the Soviet Union because there was the ability of a class of individuals who through private acquisition of state assets, they amassed great, great wealth, and it typically is stored in foreign accounts and properties who maintain close links to the highest government circles. And so these are oligarchs. And so oligarchy became something that people looked up in the beginning of 2022. Omicron 
was looked up. The new, uh, the World Health Organization uses Omicron as uh, the different variants of COVID. So they're using the Greek alphabet, alpha, beta, delta, gamma, alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, theta, eta, theta, yoda, right? So that's the Greek alphabet. And so they were using those alpha, beta, and they used Omicron to designate one of the most popular variants of COVID. And so there were major spikes in lookups that accompanied a surge in cases in early January following reports in November that the Omicron booster was not significantly more effective than the older vaccines. And so people started looking up Omicron. These are, these are words that were looked up the most in 2022. Codify increased 193%, driven by the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade on June 24th. Codify is the process by which Congress can make laws, and the word literally means to make a code. So it is synonymous with law. To codify something is to make something a law. And so there were notable spikes in the lookups of codify. May the 3rd, when there was a leak of the draft of Dobbs versus Jackson decision, it spiked 5,347%. On June 24th, when the decision was announced, it spiked 1,293%. And on June the 30th, when President Biden endorsement of ending the filibuster in order to codify the right to abortion, it spiked 8,304%. Another word that was very popular in 2022 was sentient. The, the ability to perceive or feel things is what sentient means. And in June, a Google engineer claimed the company's artificial intelligence chatbot had developed human-like consciousness. So that thing you're talking to on the computer, he claimed was developing sentient abilities, which means he, the bot was able to perceive or feel things. So the lookups inc increased 480%. And the claim was vigorously denied by Google, and the engineer was placed on paid leave, but the question of how human, like AI is or will be, became a topic of much interest, and so the lookups spiked. Another word that was popular was LOMI, L-O-A-M-Y, LOMI. In 2022, people discovered the joy in puzzling out five-letter words. Wordle is something that you can follow online, as well as Quirtle. And on Quirtle, you have nine guesses to identify four words. And so this sent people to the dictionary, searching for the definitions or what could be these types of words and loamy, which means a mixture of clay, silt, and sand, was the answer on August the 29th. And you say, well, who in the world is doing Quirtle and Wordle online? Well, when loamy was one of the words, it spiked 4.5 million percent. A lot of people wanting to know what it meant and what the definition of it was. Another word is raid. When the FBI executed a search warrant at former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home, the event was labeled by some as a raid, and it sent lookups of raid 970%. These are things that have happened throughout the year that has driven these lookups. Queen consort was one with the death of Queen Elizabeth II. It was an end of an era. There was international attention and fascination focused on this 
People were looking up pomp and circumstance. They were looking up monarch. But the new king and his wife, Camilla, referred by her title, her proper title as queen consort, caused people to look up queen consort and what that meant. That just means that she is a wife of the reigning king, not that she is a successor of the queen. Uh, and so all those words were very, very popular, and they spiked at different times of the year, and every single year, because of the context and environment changing, these kind of things will happen, and there will be next year, there'll be a 2023 lookup list as well. But the number one lookup word of the year of 2022 was gaslighting, gaslighting. In an age of misinformation, fake news, conspiracy theories, Twitter trolls, and deep fakes, gaslighting has emerged as a word for our time. Some of you, I noticed that like the first four rows kind of chuckled and laughed when they saw that, and the rest of you toward the back, maybe you'd never ever have heard of what gaslighting is, but they have heard because it is used very, very much. It is a word that means the act or practice of grossly misleading someone. And in 2022, it saw a 1,740% increase, and it had a high interest all throughout the year. Some of these words will peak at certain times. Gaslighting maintained its furious pace the entire year. This word, its origin, comes from a play that was written in 1938, about a man that was attempting to make his wife believe that she was going insane. And so his mysterious activities in the attic caused the house lights, gas lights, to dim. But he insisted to his wife that the lights were not dimming and that she can't trust her own perceptions, trying to make her go crazy. It was used first in the mid-20th century when it referred to as a kind of deception a psychological manipulation of a person, usually over an extended period of time, that causes the victim to question the validity of their own thoughts, perceptions of reality, or memories, and typically leads to confusion, loss of confidence and self-esteem, uncertainty of one's emotional or mental stability, and a dependency on the perpetrator. This is gaslighting. In recent years, we have seen it to expand and become something that is more simple and yet broader it's the act or practice of grossly misleading someone, especially for a personal advantage. We've always used words like fake news, deep fake, artificial intelligence, but gaslighting has also stepped into the realm of lies that are part of a larger plan. And so it could be uh, something that is a, a favored word for individuals who perceive that they are being deceived. The perception of deception is gaslighting. And so people in politics feel like they have been gaslighted. The politician is going to tell you something, and they're going to do it over a period of time, uh, and yet it's going to be something that they are deceiving you on, or they're not telling the truth on, and in some cases they're doing the very exact opposite. If you're in a relationship, gaslighting, is you present yourself a certain way. You extend that over a period of time. That's not really who you are. It's an illusion. It's not necessarily true. And when you are confronted about it, you turn it around and make it sound like the other person has lost their mind or going insane, and it causes a lot of difficulties 
and problems in relationships. So it can happen in politics. It can happen in relationships. It has become a part of culture and society. This is a kind of world that we live in where what you say back in the day, your word was bond. When you would say something, it would have value, and you meant it. You could shake somebody's hand and make an agreement, and there was value to that. We don't live in that kind of world today. We live in a world that is very unstable. People are very, very nervous about trusting individuals and believing individuals. Some of that is wrapped up in a vicious political cycle, and then the media has attached itself to that, and so you really don't know who to believe, what is real, what is truth, what is not truth, what is an illusion, what is a lie, what is fake news, what is not news, and so we end up in an environment where everybody's nervous because they can't trust anybody. I want to tell you today in the house of God that this is a new word that is being used, gaslighting, but it comes from a very old concept of presenting something that is not real, and it's illusion, it's fake, it's fleeting, there may be something to it in the beginning that draws you in, but then it leads you down a pathway in a direction that is not real. I want to say to you today, these are the same understandings that Jesus had in his day when he said, you are like a man that is building his house on two different foundations. If you build your house on the perception of deception, you're building your house on sand. It is shifting. It can move at any moment when the elements hit it. But if you're building your house on a rock, you're building your house on something that is sure, something that is stable, something that's not going to fall apart when the winds come and difficulties come. Praise God. Jesus was making that statement because he was saying, if you build your house on sinking sand, if you pursue what the world is driving, if you follow the dictates of the enemy of your soul, the one that deceives, you're going to find yourself in circumstances of deception and you're going to find yourself in ruin. But if you build your house upon a rock, if you establish yourself on a name that is above every name, you're not getting an illusion, but you're getting the truth. You're getting value. Hallelujah. I've come today to preach to you. I'm thankful that we can say there is truth out there. I felt it. I know him. My life is centered upon him. I'm not being gaslighted by him, but I'm following his anointing and his power and his ability. Build your life on a rock here in the house of God today, not on shifting sand. Praise God. Why don't we clap our hands and thank the Lord. I thank you, Lord. Praise God. You're building your life on something. You're establishing your life on something. You're going to build that establishment in that world, and you're going to teach it to yourself, your family, and your children. Thank God we're in the house of God teaching some values and principles that produce things that are right, that are good, that are pleasant, that are godly, that are righteous. Praise God. Hallelujah. There's a world that wants to teach the very opposite of everything that I just said. We live in a world of dysfunction and confusion. Praise God. But I came to the house of God today to worship in the sanctuary and thank God that there is value in his word. Praise God. I said there's value in his word. There's value in the truth of God. I wish I had an apostolic here in the house of God that believed that this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. There you are. There you are. Absolutely. I'm building my life on something that will not shift or shake. Praise God. And so Paul, when he's writing to the Thessalonica church, uh, there, there are some things that just repeat themselves. This is the first century, and Paul is really giving to us 
a definition of our current situation, and it's written in the first century to a church in Thessalonica, and he says the mystery of iniquity is already at work. The mystery of iniquity. A mystery is something that is hard to grasp, and yet over time it will be revealed. And so in order to get at it, you have to move beyond the superficial and you have to understand what is the end result of this. Our world is, is, is very, very good at only pursuing what is shallow, what is on the surface and not digging deep enough to recognize that there is a mystery of iniquity, meaning where does this lead and what is the conclusion of it? And Paul said there is a mystery of iniquity that is at work. There is a lawlessness at work and it is in opposition to the work of God. Paul sees this antichrist spirit that is already in the world and then in this passage of scripture he sees some kind of figure that is a man of lawlessness that is operating under the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders who come with deceivableness of unrighteousness and he presents something to them that is a delusion and this is the mystery of iniquity lawlessness is at work in opposition to the work of God in one particular case the scripture said the law is not for the lawless because the people that will do what is right are not going to break the law the law is for those who break the law. When you have the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, there is a power on the inside of you that you don't need a codification of a bunch of laws because you know what is right. You are seeing right now in our culture, in our world, what happens when you release everybody from their understanding of the law and the ramifications of it. Praise God. Every single time I drive by the circle and see this thing that the city thought would be a great idea, put this up and, and no limit no dumping, no trespassing, and all this kind of stuff is, is on the other side of it. There is littering, trespassing, and dumping. And so if you remove the sting of the law from some people, and it's not something that is valued, you're going to end up with a society that is full of confusion. And, and I just want to say we need to get back to laws in our country that mean something. Paul said to the Thessalonians, there's a mystery of iniquity. There is a lawness that is in society in the first century. And then he sees this eschatological figure, figure that means somebody at the end time that is rising to the surface with influence and power and ability. And he's coming with all of these things. And Paul said the only way that this is held back, he said, he puts it in, in rather cryptic terms. He said, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. So Paul is saying when this lawlessness is completely released with all of this deceivableness and difficulty, there's going to be destruction and confusion, and it's only held back by he who will allow it presently. Praise God. I believe what he's saying right there is this, because Jesus is sovereign and in control. And so what he's saying is the power and the anointing and the spirit of God is the only thing stopping a complete lawlessness. There's already lawlessness in the world and the man of lawlessness who is influenced by Satan eventually will have his complete sway and ability, but it's held back by the power of the Holy Ghost. You know what that means? You know what that means for our city? You know what that means for our, our, our country and the world? 
ground, that means that if the Holy Ghost is removed, there is a status of lawlessness that will, will confound and bring destruction. But because the Holy Ghost is established, it's stopping complete destruction. I believe emphatically that the Holy Ghost is something powerful in this city. I believe this church is powerful in this city. I don't believe we are secondary. I don't believe we're at the bottom of the list. You know, the Chamber of Commerce is up here and all the city bureaucracy and then somehow down here there is GBFPC. I don't believe that. I believe GBFPC is at the very top of everything and everything falls underneath that and wickedness is going to operate in the world but it's not going to have its full way. Why? Because there is an anointed people in this city full of the Holy Ghost that are operating in this city that are causing it hallelujah to be held back. You need to thank God for the Holy Ghost. You need to recognize that God has called you to this city and to be one that stands in adversity the anointing of God in you is powerful praise God there is a, there's a mystery of iniquity and Paul said it's a mystery and, and, and people don't get deep enough through the surface to recognize where the end result of that is going and so that's why it is a mystery of iniquity lawlessness is in opposition to the work of God and it can't reach its peak until there is a removal or backing away of God's spirit. And this has great ramifications for us. Let this place be a place of power and anointing. Amen. There may be wickedness and difficulty, and the devil may have lied to individuals and compressed them to the very bottom, but there still is hope. I said there is still hope because there's an anointing of God that can still save them from complete wickedness. You may, you may be bound and in addiction, but God can still save you. You would be overwhelmed if there was an anointing of God and a presence of God that had its complete way. But because the anointing of God and the power of God is still at work. God is still able to save those that are lost. As a matter of fact, he's seeking to save those that are lost. Don't ever give up because the anointing of God is still in operation today. Hallelujah. Don't walk away because the Holy Ghost is still working today. Hallelujah. Don't throw your hands up because the Holy Ghost is still working. Oh, I feel, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. The Holy Ghost is going to walk with somebody through difficulties and storms and struggles and power. You, could, you should have been completely overwhelmed by what has happened to you. But because there's an anointing of God that holds back the complete power and destruction of hell, you're, you're still, you're going to make it. Hallelujah. I said you're going to make it. Praise God. Don't look at me like I've lost my mind. If you've been buried in addictions and difficulties and bondage, thank God that God pulled you out. The only thing that pulled you out is because of the anointing and power of God. Wickedness should have destroyed you, but the anointing of God said, no, no, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. Don't give up on God. If God has done great things in your life, you need to stand to your feet and say, thank God for the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, wickedness would have consumed me, but something stopped it. Yeah. Praise God for the Holy Ghost in this place. <laughs> 
Hallelujah. We need a power of God that pushes back against darkness and says, you're not taking my home. You're not taking my family. You're not taking my children. You're not taking my church. You're not taking my city. It's going to be a power and operation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. The man of lawlessness under the influence of Satan, he comes with power. That's what Paul said to the church in Thessalonica. He said he comes with power, power. There is power in wickedness. He comes with power. He comes with signs. He comes with lying wonders. He comes with the deception of unrighteousness, which leads to damnation and loss because it is based on a delusion and a lie. He is gaslighting. There is, and this is the work of the devil. This is evil. This is wickedness. So I don't believe in all that stuff. Okay. I do. I don't believe there's anything to the devil or Satan. I think that's a figment of somebody's imagination. Really? Okay, let's just take away the terms devil and Satan. That's just, a, that's just something to hang a hinge or hang your hat on. There are spiritual dimensions in our world that are for good or for evil. And so I, I do believe we live in a physical reality, but there's also a spiritual reality. And the reason I believe this is because I see people with spiritual difficulties and problems and addictions and struggles and difficulties and dysfunction. And I see those people doing crazy stuff. Okay, so when you've got a spiritual dimension like that where it's incarnating itself in people to take action to do wickedness, then somehow you've got to describe what that is because it is a perception of deception. It is gaslighting. There is a movement that is trying to take people and control people, and it incarnates itself in individuals who murder, kill, rob, destroy, traffic individuals, pedophiles, people that murder millions, burn them in ovens, and, and, and you want to sit there and tell me, I don't think there's anything to that. There absolutely is something to that. You may not like the terms, but it's there. It is wickedness that is in the world. It is a mystery of iniquity. And so in order to explain that, the scripture said he is Satan, he is the devil, he is the accuser of the brethren. He is the deceiver. There's a lot of terms. He is Beelzebub, but that is all captured in a statement to describe one that is trying to lead you down a pathway by presenting to you that it's okay, it's pleasurable, it's all right, it's the mystery of iniquity, but if you don't dig beneath that, you don't recognize that that's a lie and illusion, and that is taking individuals down a pathway to hell. It's taking them down a pathway of addiction and destruction and difficulties and problems you wouldn't be sitting on these church pews with a testimony if you weren't in that same place but thank God somebody somewhere preached to you through the foolishness of preaching and you realize wait a minute I've been sold a bill of goods I've been following something that has been nothing but a lie it's been fool's gold this this is the work of the devil Right? When I say devil, I'm talking about a bigger spiritual power and authority that is a spiritual thing that manifests itself in a physical way. It incarnates its, itself. It is a work against and opposes God. It has a global impact. 
And, and Paul was saying this lawlessness and this man that he sees, it can be the influence of many, and that's kind of eschatological. It's pushed into the future. It's a study of last things, but Paul says it's in the world today. And so Paul says when, it, and he's, he, doesn't, he doesn't water it down. He said it has power. <laughs> it has power. Oh, magic doesn't do anything. Yes, it does. It's got power. It absolutely has. We were walking down the, the French Quarter in Louisiana some time ago. We went to Florida to go to Pensacola for some training in the Abeka program. And my father-in-law were walking down the street looking at the French Quarter and everything. And there was this guy standing there. And he was a voodoo doctor. He had this pole. He had all these skulls on it. And he had all this stuff poked into it. And so <laughs> we stopped to find out what, what the deal was. And he was talking about how powerful voodoo is. What are all the schools about? Well, he said, it's life and death, and I can, I can manipulate and I control by putting this stuff, and I can create all this stuff, and I can, I can, I can cast spells and do all this. It's so fascinating, really fascinating. And he believed that, and he said there's power in it. I believe there's power in it. I don't deny that. But I'll tell you this. I'm not going to talk about the power of the voodoo, the witch doctor, and all the other stuff that can be done, and, and the spells, and all this other stuff. I'm going to talk about something that is, and this is how we ended the discussion, and he didn't really like it, because we said, you know what, that's great. We believe there is power in that, but we believe there's something that is greater than the voodoo stuff that you're doing. <laughs> he said, what's that? We said, we believe in the power of Jesus. He was crucified. They put him in a grave. He came up out of the grave with resurrection power and he redeems individuals from their sin and destruction. Praise God. That's what we believe. We believe we serve an awesome God. Hallelujah. I think the last week thing we said is bye bye I'm not talking about that stuff. I don't want to hear about it. I believe it's powerful. I believe it's all that. But listen to me. You need to stop talking about the goodness of God. Praise God. The goodness of his mercy, his faithfulness, his truth, his power, his healing. When you start talking about all of that, you don't have time to, to delve into stuff that you're talking about ensconced in. There have been people every time I talk to them, it's the same thing. It's a broken record over and over. I can't give you any other answer but to tell you you're focusing on the wrong thing. You're focusing on the mystery of iniquity. How about you focus on the mystery of godliness? There's a difference. There's a difference. Instead of burying yourself in iniquity, why don't, why don't you lift yourself out of iniquity and step into godliness? This has been going on for a long time for Eve when she is in the garden. The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. We don't typically know exactly what he looks like. It doesn't really say but he says to the woman, hath God says you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it. Wrong. That's incorrect. You need to know your Bible. Eve said, neither shall you touch it. God never said anything about touching. He said, don't eat of it. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. It's the perception of deception. See, God's, God's trying to hold you back from your purpose and your destiny. Oh, how this is like, how this is like gaslighting. It's amazing. 
God's trying to keep you from some things. God's not trying to keep you from it. God's not trying to keep you from your purpose. He's trying to protect you from some things that will destroy you and open up what your purpose needs to be in the kingdom of God. You'll destroy it if you get gaslighted by the enemy of your soul. If, if, if God's trying to keep you back, and so if, if you eat of this, you'll become like God. Isn't that fascinating? This becomes the mantra of humanity. I You can't be God. You're just a human. God is God. God is sovereign, and you're just humanity. Praise God. But that is the desire of humanity. And so she falls into the trap, and she becomes deceived. And Adam does too. He, he just is, he's just as responsible. Jacob, they called him a deceiver. He deceived his brother Esau. He comes in to his father. He's got all, he, his brother was hairy. Apparently Jacob was not as hairy. And so he puts all these things on his arms. His father can't see him, so he comes in there. And he, he steals the birthright. Well, actually Esau gives it up. And then Jacob deceives his father to get the blessing. And then his, his mother helps him. And so then he runs away because Esau is very, very angry. His name meant deceiver. And so then he starts working for his father-in-law that he meets by the name of Laban. And he's going to work for, Laban set out the terms. Okay, Jacob, uh, you work for me seven years. I'll give you Rachel because he loved Rachel. After seven years of working, his father-in-law Laban deceived him. Now, I don't know how this works. This is still fascinating to me. I, I don't completely understand this. But in the morning when Jacob wakes up, it's not Rachel, it's Leah. I'm not sure how he doesn't know that, can't recognize that. I, I don't know. And he has, that's pretty funny. You, you can, that's hilarious, actually. <clears throat> so he works another seven years, 14 years. He's deceived. Finally, he gets Rachel. So the deceiver is on the receiving end of deceit, and then he produces sons, the brothers, upset with Joseph, because of his coat of many colors and his favoritism by his father Jacob. They decide we're going to kill him. And they said, no, we're not going to kill him, but we're going to sell him into slavery. And then we're going to dip his coat in blood so that our father believes that he's died. And so they deceive. It's gaslighting. It's the perception of this. This is what the enemy will always put you on a pathway of deception to move you down a road thinking that there is a, there's an expected outcome and it's always an unexpected outcome and it's never the right outcome that you're really looking for or desiring. That's how he works. This is the mystery of iniquity that Paul is talking about to the Thessalonians. It's deception. It's gaslighting. And it produces, it produces dysfunction. It produces addiction. It produces bondage. It produces failure. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 24, speaking about Moses, said, by, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses said, I recognize that my fingertips are all the pleasure that I, I could ever want, but it's only for a season. It's fleeting. 
It's for a season. James chapter 1 verse 13 says, Let no man when he is tempted say, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. This illusion, this lie, this movement toward the mystery of iniquity ushers in darkness. Praise God. But there is another mystery, and that is the mystery of godliness. Paul recognizes this to this church, and he says, you have a choice that you can make. You can follow the mystery of iniquity, or you can follow the mystery of godliness. I'm on the road to the mystery of godliness. I'm not on the road to the mystery of iniquity. Praise God. There's pain, there's anguish, and there is suffering going down that road because the enemy of your soul and humanity will try its very best to destroy you. But in the house of God today, there is a truth, and the truth is there is a God that loves you and wants to pick you out of what the psalmist said is miry clay that you can't get out of. The God that you serve can pick you out of that mess, that primordial soup if you will and he will establish you in the house of God and give to you a hope that maketh not a shame when the rest of the world is hopeless Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 13 Actually, let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 since we're talking about the mystery of godliness and without controversy great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. This God that you serve was the Old Testament spirit that could not be seen. He was the eternal spirit, and so he could not be seen unless he manifested himself. That same God that was Yahweh, that led the children of Israel out of Egypt, that brought them into a promised land that was not seen became the seen God in the New Testament when Jesus became the manifestation of the unseen God he's not another person he is God himself the only personage that you will see in the Godhead is Jesus when he manifests himself if there's a man of lawlessness that's going to incarnate himself through power and deceiving and lying there's a God that manifests himself through the life of Jesus Christ. And what did he come for? He came to heal. He came to... He came to bind the brokenhearted and the wounds. Praise God. He came to deliver. And everything that he did was to reach out to a humanity that was lost. He manifested himself in the flesh. The mystery of godliness is the one that we serve. His name is powerful. Neither is there any other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. There is authority. He's a sovereign God. He can overcome and control the power of wickedness. 
And as a matter of fact, the scripture said that he does this by his ability and by his power and by his strength. He is greater and he is able to destroy deception with the brightness of his coming. When the world gets dark, there is a light that is coming. It's a light that is going to shine bright in a world that is so very dark. And he's always working to produce and bring about an unexpected end. You thought it was over? Let me have an opportunity to reveal to you that it's not over until it's over. Hallelujah. When deception puts its talons into you and tries to carry you off, there is a God that says, I'm able to free you from your difficulty and produce an unexpected end. When you're at the very bottom and you don't feel like you'll ever get back to the top, there is a God that says, let me work to an unexpected end and pull you out of the abyss that you're in. Praise God. There is a sovereign God. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There is a power that is over to overwhelm and overcome the work of the enemy. Praise God as the musicians come this morning. God is always working to bring about an unexpected end. Amen. Joseph was sold into slavery and 20 years passed by. 20 years passed by. 20 years. And yet when his brothers are standing before him and they realize it's Joseph, Joseph looks at them and says, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people. Praise God. Paul said to the church in Thessalonica, there may be a mystery of iniquity, but God will rise up in power and authority Praise God. And so Paul, when he looked at this, he said at the end of that chapter, he said, but we are bound, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, we are bound to give thanks always to God for you. Brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Thank God that you made the right choice. We thank God for you. Praise God. Whereunto he called you by our gospel, there's nothing greater than a new birth message. To the obtaining of glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or by our epistle doctrine that was delivered to you stand fast praise God because that God that is able to save you is going to comfort your hearts and establish you in every good work and deed Jesus never gaslit how sad is it that the number one word in 2022 that operates the entire year and people look it up 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 is because they're 
disappointed in politicians. They're disappointed in other people. They're disappointed in relationships where they've been deceived and gaslighted for somebody else's benefit. Praise God. What did Jesus do for my benefit? He didn't gaslight me. He didn't walk, walk away from me. But he went to Calvary. His blood was shed. He was abused, persecuted, ridiculed, mocked, scorned. Killed and died. And his word was, I have come as the Lamb of God to seek and to save that which thankful in the house of God here today. Amen. Jesus never gaslights. The words perception of deception is Merriam-Webster's article's words. People that are on the brunt end of deception and deception. Praise God. We have opportunity to be in the house of God here today and say, there's one that will not deceive you. Walk away. For his word says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number five, gives us the ability that we may boldly say, boldly, everyone say bold. Boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Praise God. He's not presenting to you today a lie, an illusion, but he's presenting to you today the way, the truth, and the life. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And the truth is that Jesus saves. The truth is that Jesus redeems. The truth is that Jesus forgives as we stand together in the house of God here today. The truth is that Jesus brings hope and the truth is that Jesus heals. Praise God. Why don't you lift up your hands here in the sanctuary? Hallelujah. Why don't you lift up your voice for a few moments? Praise God and say boldly, say boldly, say boldly. You will not leave nor will you forsake me. And for that reason, I can say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man can do unto me because I can boldly, I can boldly say. He's still proving just how great he is. How great he is. You know what I feel like this morning? Praise God. I feel like we need to step out boldly. Praise God. That word says we have the ability to say boldly, boldly. Praise God. He will not leave me, nor will he forsake me. And for this reason, for this reason, I can say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what people can do unto me. Amen. We need to lift our hands and boldly say here in the house of God today, Lord, you will not leave me. 
nor will you forsake me, nor will you gaslight me, nor will you deceive me, but you'll bring healing to me. Come on, speak it. He's still moving. Yes, he is. He's still proving just how great he is. How great he is. He's still moving. He's still proving just how great he is. How great he is. Hallelujah. Come on, say it boldly. Just how 